We've talked a lot with John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated about the Big Ten's 2022 football recruiting classes, but that class is all said and done. Looking ahead, who are the biggest recruits who have yet to commit that Big Ten teams are targeting in the class of 2023? You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Listening into Locked On Big Ten alongside John Garcia Jr. of Sports Illustrated. I'm Nate Dickinson. When John's on, we're talking recruiting. And the Big Ten, of course, is always in the middle of things at every level level when it comes to the top of the recruiting game. And it's no different as we get into the class of 2023. John, we've talked to you a lot about the classes that have already been done here in 2022, incoming freshmen, things like that on this show. But as we start to look forward, I want to get a bit into some of the players who still have yet to decide schools. But before we get to that, where are we right now with the Big Ten in recruiting? Who's doing well, who is off to a slow start, who's close to having things wrapped up or maybe even has all of their biggest targets looked at and locked in and committed. Where are we at right now as we go into the start of June here? Yeah, well, I don't, for first of all, I don't think anyone's done with with the class in terms of the, the main priorities being verbally committed. We, we've seen a collective slow start to recruiting in this class of 2023, really across the board, not just Big Ten, but but across the board nationally. I think a lot of that had to do with figuring out roster management, right? What does the portal look like? What numbers do we even have as a certain coaching staff or school getting into the the class of of 2023? But when you talk about who's doing well, I mean, it's kind of got to start with Northwestern. They're they're the hottest team in the Big Ten from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, they're the hottest team nationally from a recruiting standpoint. I, I believe 10 commitments in the month of May. There was at one point, I think I threw up a tweet that said, they had eight guys commit in a seven-day span. Um, so Northwestern has done a really good job of first identifying targets early, getting them up to the the, the school, the campus, uh, and then getting them uh, verbally committed soon thereafter. Um, and and I think that's a, a tribute to you know Pat Fitzgerald and, and that staff. Um, this is a, a bigger group. You know they've got a little bit more support staff than maybe conventional wisdom would suggest uh and that's certainly paying off because they're not just grabbing midwesterners they're, they're getting into texas they're going into the southeast and really expanding that footprint which is something that always catches my attention and then of course you know ohio state's looking good penn state's looking really good uh both over double digits in the commitment uh list scenario um if you want to throw another dame in, in the footprint you know they're doing really well as well. Uh, and those are programs that have, have hit better from, from a quality and quantity perspective. You know, Penn State got going really early in this class of, of 2023, um, hitting inside of their footprint, those normal pipeline states. I'm a big fan of the quarterback they got committed, Marcus Stokes, athletic, confident kid out of Baltimore who's now playing football down in the state of Florida. And then Ohio State, as per usual, right? We, we know what the Buckeyes are going to bring at a very high level uh, every single cycle. Still looking for their quarterback, and and we'll talk about a candidate, I'm sure, later in the show. Um, But around whoever that quarterback or class class headliner is going to be, you know, they've got firepower coming in from the offensive skill positions. And and as usual, uh, they're supplementing that with pass rushers and impact players 
on defense. Uh, but certainly, you know, Northwestern's the surprise of of that bunch. And, and then the Iowa's, Minnesota's of the world, Wisconsin as well, starting to heat up. Michigan can probably be thrown into that conversation where you just start to expect more as the month of June gets going because across the board, it's going to be a huge official visit month uh, as kids look to make decisions ahead of their senior seasons uh, in the fall. So June and July will be very busy, but particularly the month of June when official visits really start to ramp up uh, as soon as this weekend. You mentioned a team like Northwestern really just getting off to a fast start. Part of that's the way that they strategize and how they do things. There's a few Big Ten teams that like to kind of just get a bunch of offers out there and really start out fast. You mentioned Minnesota, P.J. Flex, another guy who likes to get out there and kind of get his offers out to guys and try and spread a really wide net. How have you seen that? how that works for those teams that aren't the Ohio States or the Penn States or the Michigan that have that kind of luxury of being able to lean back a little bit more and be a bit more picky? Yeah, it's an interesting strategy. I think it's kind of necessary, though. Um, right. You're just your offer doesn't hold the same weight per se as an offer from an Ohio State, right? Uh, so I do think that you have to be in the in the game a little bit sooner. It just kind of is what it is, and and there is certainly a, the pro is hey, you're identifying a little bit earlier, you're building those relationships certainly sooner than those other schools would, but. When you do get them committed, there's also this sort of warning that that also signal, signals the rest of the conference like, hey, this kid's already committed to Northwestern and, and he's looking pretty good. It, it, w- it makes you wonder how many of those other schools say, hey, let's let's take a second look at this kid. Uh, maybe we, we missed something here. And, and then that's where, you know, flips begin to, to be brewed a little bit. But uh, look, I do think that it's very smart to get out to a hot start. I do think worst case perceptionally it helps and that's important in recruiting, but best case you identify and, and land guys who are a little bit, um, a little bit better maybe than the current ranking or the current standing or feel around their game. And if you hold on to them, then it, it's all for the better for your program. And then, you know, they're, they're that much more equipped uh, to, to be longstanding members of the, of the class and the program eventually. So there's a lot of pros and cons to it, but you understand the strategy of going in early and, and trying to get more offers out and, and take commitments a little bit sooner than, than maybe your neighbor. You mentioned something that I found just in, time that I'd spent doing recruiting and kind of looking at stuff and talking to kids before. It seems like going into that senior year might be the most popular time for guys to try and make that commitment. A lot of guys want to have that wrapped up before they go into and try to, for many of them, win a high school state championship in that last season. Is that the most popular time for guys to commit? Is that where we're going to see the most of the most? Or or is it like right now when we see these visits come that guys are going to start pulling the trigger the most when they get on campus? It'll be a blend, but the summer will be big regardless. And I think that's a great point. You know, many of them want to get it done because they're a little overwhelmed at this point. They're kind of like, hey, I'm naming my top few schools. I'm taking those last few visits. I'm making my decision and I'm done. Uh, But there's another percentage of of those guys who they want to get their spot. You know, it's, it's more about a business decision to, hey, I know you're looking at four receivers. I see you got two committed. I'm a receiver. Maybe I need to go ahead and claim a spot here because there is a, a limited time in theory where, where some of these scholarship offers or committable offers have that green light attached to them. So there is a bit of business 
that goes down around it as well, particularly for the quarterbacks. You know, that's a group that is really in June looking to start to wrap up the process, uh, not only in the Big Ten, but but everywhere else, because there is a sense that, you know, hey, half the power five teams already have their quarterback committed. So if I'm uncommitted, I'm, I'm limiting my pool in terms of who might be able to take me when, when I'm ready. So you ha- you kind of have to flip it and think about it from the program's perspective sometimes. Today's episode of Locked On Big Ten is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Bet Online is the place to go for any of your sports gambling needs. If you need the information to make sure you're putting your money in the right place, betonline.net has you covered. All the latest lines, odds, futures, parlays you can put on anything that you'd like, really. It's over at Bet Online where the game starts. Well, you mentioned quarterbacks. Let's get into individual players here and start at the top. Dante Moore is a quarterback out of Detroit. He's got, of course, Michigan and the Wolverines on his list. Penn State is also in the conversation, too. Local Notre Dame is also in the conversation as well for this guy. He's number five recruit in the country right now. Of course, a five-star recruit as well at quarterback. He's someone who seems to be, if a Big Ten team can get him, I think we may have talked quarterbacks a little bit last week or maybe it was two weeks ago. Big Ten struggles to get really good quarterbacks outside of Ohio. Ohio State. This would be a big get for either one of these schools, even a Penn State that has a five-star coming in already. Yeah, and and look, the Buckeyes are are in on more to a degree. So you know, mm-hmm. Big Ten fans, be, be cautious as much as you'd like. Uh, but Michigan's in good shape here relative to others in the Big Ten. That the it seems like the Penn State buzz has begun to fade a little bit uh, in relation to Dante. Like like we said earlier, though, Penn State does have another quarterback committed. So sometimes that can soften the blow uh, just a bit. Um, But look, Notre Dame's right at the front of this race as well. Uh, And then there's Michigan, right? The in-state school, uh, the school he's as familiar with as as most high on his list. He was just back in Ann Arbor in the last 10 days for an unofficial visit. Uh, Really got to spend a lot of one-on-one time with that coaching staff uh, because he was really like the only headlining visitor in town. Uh, So certainly you understand Michigan trying to make a final push here but this is a really well-traveled kid that's going to look outside of the midwest as well as he looks to try to figure this thing out oregon lsu miami uh all involved texas a and is going to get a visit here soon um but i do think most people expect him to stay in that midwestern footprint uh, and i think notre dame is probably in the best shape today uh, but again as he keeps taking visits those things can change because obviously, you know, everyone's rolling out the red carpet for Dante Moore. Uh, so, you know, you, you don't you don't count out a Michigan. You don't count out uh, a Penn State or anyone else in, in this kind of race. Uh, and there's no timeline for Dante Moore. That's what makes it even more interesting. He's not one of these kids that's like, hey, I have to commit now. I have to commit before my senior season begins. He's kind of like, I need to take as much time as, as as humanly possible to figure this thing out. But like you said, He's a five-star. He's a, a nationally known kid. He has the luxury to, to sort of do that. So the timeline is, is what's interesting. You know, him and Arch Manning, who everybody knows, those are probably the two quarterbacks that are going to take the process the longest, the deepest into the year, possibly even into the season itself. So, so that'll make it all the more fascinating to figure out. But the Big Ten and or that Midwestern footprint are absolutely going to factor in before it's all said and done. This isn't a question you know the answer to, but when you talk about these visits, we get into the official visit season, people are going to be going all over the country here. Are people, you think, talking about NIL deals on these visits that early with these guys? Is that is that like technically allowed 
under what we're doing right now, it seems like it's something people are going to do, whether it's technically allowed or not, because no one's stopping it yet. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. Like, technically, <laughs> yeah. no, it's not allowed. That The coaches are not supposed to facilitate that type of conversation. But look, uh, nudging them in the right direction, maybe showing them a tweet or a graphic that shows some huge NIL deal that a player on their team got, you know, that that may or may not happen on these visits. Um but yeah, it absolutely does come up, especially when it, it gets more intimate, right? When it's, you know, a, a recruit talking to a current player or a, a parent talking to somebody, you know, on that on that roster or in the coaching staff. It it is gonna come up inevitably. It's it's something that should probably come up to a degree from a recruit's perspective, at least if there's interest there uh, in terms of earning uh, once you, you actually get on the roster again, keeping it all legal and and politically correct. Um, so yeah, it's it's not supposed to come up, but it certainly has, and it certainly will continue to come up in and around these visits. Because remember, it's it's one thing to talk to the head coach of a program, but when you're in town for 48 hours on that school's dime, like you can be for an official visit, you're eating at five-star restaurants, you're at five-star hotels. There's a lot of people who, who kind of come into your orbit. So naturally those conversations will, will inevitably come up. Let's move on with some more individual guys, John. John Garcia Jr. with Sports Illustrated with us. Uh, Caden Proctor is an offensive tackle in the state of Iowa. Those guys are born in Hawkeyes jerseys. Is there anything different to suspect here? You know, I, I don't think so. I, I think Caden, you know, he's an Iowa kid like you mentioned. The one time I saw him in person, I was in Texas, and he was wearing an Iowa Hawkeyes shirt even though he was in Texas. Uh, you know, this this is something that's going to be hard for anybody to overcome. But – he could be the best lineman in the country. So when that caveat is attached to it, it brings out uh, programs from, from well outside the, the state and, and the conference. So Alabama's shooting their shot. Um, Oregon is trying. Notre Dame has been in it for him uh, to a degree. Texas at one point. So other schools are trying, and he's going to take official visits uh, to other schools. But Iowa is absolutely in, in the mix to 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 keep him home. He's going to take an official to Iowa. He's tight to Xavier Wongpa, who was that guy last year, right? He was the in-state guy for Iowa that they just couldn't lose, even though everyone else wanted him, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Alabama, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but they kept him home. And like you said, that's that's typical of what Iowa can do when there's elite prospects in-state. And, and this year, the guy's Caden Proctor. So um, look, they're tight. Iowa knows he's a priority. He knows he's a priority for the Hawkeyes. So he'll take these trips, but I do think at the end of the day, going to be pretty tough to, to upset the Hawkeyes. If I had to pick a top threat, I would think maybe Alabama has the best chance, you know, just relative to what they've done at the position. Uh, but even still, I, I would put, you know, proverbial dollars on, on Iowa keeping him on. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing as you were going there. Alabama's a team where, like, every player, if you're at the top, you, you have them on the list. But as far as offensive line talent goes, I think Iowa stacks up as far as for what they're putting up, or at least stacks up as much as any team can stack up with the five, six first-round picks Ohio, or Alabama puts out every year. Yeah, it's usually only one lineman, right? So, yeah, you can, yeah, you can right. stack up because <laughs> that's what Iowa does, right? Year in, right. year out, it feels like. So, yeah, that that – if, if it was a, a receiver or a running back or, or, you know, even a quarterback, I would say, hey, this is something really to, to monitor with these out-of-state programs. But I think with him being a physical point of attack, massive human being, lineman type, that is, is going to help Iowa's chances to, to keep him home. 
Moving on a little bit, Carnell Tate, looking at Ohio State among a, a number of other schools. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, down to four. Ohio State is, is the childhood favorite. Chicago kid uh, who, who's now playing at IMG Academy. Uh, look, if, if it was about his heart, I think from day one, he, he would have been a Buckeye. And he may very well still be a Buckeye. Uh, I was at a spring game. Brian Hartline was there. Uh, you know, maybe the best positional coach and or recruiter um, nationally at this point. Uh, so that pool and, and what Ohio State's done at that position is really hard to push back and, and argue with. Uh, but Notre Dame's been right there as well. Um, he's tight with Dante Moore, who we talked about earlier. So there is some talk that that maybe they line up together. If that is the case, I do think Notre Dame is, is probably in the best shape because Tate is down Ohio State, Notre Dame, LSU, and Tennessee. You know, LSU and Tennessee aren't getting Dante Moore. He's, he's, he's probably staying in that Midwestern footprint, uh, especially with Notre Dame. Uh, so if they do combine – and play together. I do think it's probably Notre Dame. Ohio State would be second there. Um, and then looking at Tate's other two options, LSU and Tennessee, Tennessee's becoming the trendy pick. Uh, he, he's visited three times in the last month and a half, two months. He's tight with the quarterback that is committed to Tennessee, Nico Iamaliava out of California. Uh, so as that relationship grows, there's certainly a feel that Tennessee might be a sneaky dark horse pick or, or, or the trendy pick altogether. Um, and then LSU, right? Brian Kelly, the familiarity that he has with that program uh, and that staff, I should say, dating back to, to Kelly, uh, will certainly keep the Tigers in it. But I envision this as kind of, you know, going with the trendy pick of Tennessee versus the heart and the longstanding feel, which has really been Ohio State for a long time for, for Carnell Tate. Uh, Caleb Downs is another guy the Buckeyes are looking at. Uh, it's There's a lot of guys that the Buckeyes are, are looking at that see, seem to be kind of in their own league with, with those other elite schools out there, and Downs is one of them. I mean, is it their advantage solely to kind of have these kind, as far as Big Ten teams go, to have the ability to go after these big guys consistently? Because it seems like right now everybody else in the conference, to an extent, it lets a lot of not talent go by, but they just can't afford to always go after the guys like Ohio State does. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I, I think it opens up the pool for, for some of these other programs in the Big Ten, because if Ohio State's going all in for in Caleb's Downs case of safety from Georgia, maybe they're they're not as high on the in-state safety. The, the Ohio native who's pretty darn good, right? Ohio's a top 10 high school football state in the country relative to, to production. Uh, so that could maybe open the door for some other programs because Ohio state is so national with, with how it wants to recruit, but uh, why not? Right. It, it works for everyone in that way. And Ohio state's swinging big here with Caleb Downs, a true heavyweight battle, Alabama, Georgia uh, are in on him. Um, a lot of people see it coming down to those three, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Notre Dame's in that top five. They're going to get a visit. Um, and then North Carolina's the dark horse. His brother, Josh Downs, is a great receiver uh, at UNC. So that if, if there's a true upset brewing, you know, I'd keep an eye on the Tar Heels. But I do expect it to be one of the big three, right? Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State for Caleb Downs. Again, he's going to take all those trips relatively soon and then resettle 
and, and think about making a decision. And this is a dynamic safety who can do a little bit of everything in the secondary. So naturally, all three of those schools can sell a, a lot of uh, productivity recently and NFL success, basically whatever you want at the position. Those three schools can sell it a bit differently than, than everyone else. So uh, I do think it comes down to those three in the end. John, before we let you go, is there any name you think could be pulling a trigger soon as far as just like maybe they're going on a visit to that one place in the next couple of weeks or have just been feeling like they're getting ready to make that commitment? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of decisions coming up in in the month of July, I think in June, relative to those looking in the Big Ten. It's going to be a little bit more spontaneous with prospects who take trips and maybe accelerate that timeline. Two days ago, I would have said Drew Vioto was the guy to keep an eye on. He's a quarterback from Michigan who decommitted from Eastern Michigan and then Minnesota offered him. So, so we're all like, when is he going to take this visit? He is taking the Minnesota visit this weekend, but he decided to commit anyway. He committed before the <laughs> visit. So the Gophers have their quarterback. And he's a good one, by the way. Same seven on seven team as as Dante Moore, sound mind, sound body. So I'd, I'd have gone with Drew, but it, it would have been cheating because he committed before <laughs> he even took the trip. So, yeah, there you go. Well, it's still a name, and, of course, there will be plenty more to talk about with John than as we continue along with the off season. We're getting into the thick of it now. Again, visits are starting up. We're getting into that time where a lot of kids are going to want to make those commitments, so we'll start to get a little bit of a better shape of what these classes are starting to look like here sooner rather than later. Of course, until the next time we talk to him, John Garcia over at Sports Illustrated talks recruiting every day, and he'll be here once a week on Big Locked On Big Ten, too. Thanks, as always, John, for taking some time to talk to us. Thanks for having me back on, Nate. Take care.